Praise God. So this is post-resurrection. This is post-resurrection. Just a couple of days after resurrection, Jesus appears. This is the third time Jesus appears, makes his appearance after resurrection. And the disciples are still in a place of uncertainty. They're still in a place of not sure, not, not quite sure what in the world they're supposed to do. They're not sure what, what's going to happen. They, because, they, you see, at this point of time, they were still not quite in full-time ministry. Okay? They're still not quite deployed to do what they're supposed to do. They had been following Jesus for three years, and now Jesus was, was, was crucified, and he died, he saw the witness, the burial, they witnessed his resurrection, and now he's appeared again. They're still not quite sure how to, to make of this. They were at a crossroad in their lives. Their full-time ministry, their full deployment to full-time ministry only happened after Pentecost. Correct? After that, they went out, they started building churches, they preached the gospel everywhere, everywhere they went, and, and they started, they, they built churches, they pioneered churches. So, Peter together with six other disciples attempted to do something they were familiar with. They went, they went fishing, that's right. They went fishing, but something happened. They weren't quite the same men they were since Jesus had called them. These men, whether they knew it or not, had gone to the point of no return. These men, whether they knew it consciously or unconsciously, had gone to the point of no return. What is the point of no return? What is the point of no return? The point of no return is the point, it's actually a slide that they picked up. Yes, thanks. The point of no return is actually a point which one must continue on one's current course of action because turning back is physically impossible, prohibitively expensive or dangerous. That is what the point of no return is. It means you come to a point where turning back is physically impossible, prohibitively expensive or even dangerous. That is what the point of no return is. There's a man by the name of Charles Lindbergh where he was he, he took his first flight across the Atlantic Ocean. And halfway and through this flight, at this at one point, he realized that he didn't have enough fuel to go back to his home in America. His only option was to continue to fly on and head towards Europe. He had come to a point of no return. It's like how some hikers, when they go and hike a certain mountain, when you go towards the mountain, maybe you're halfway or, or three quarters up the mountain, you look back and you're like, oh, I cannot do this, I cannot breathe properly, everything is going wrong. But to go down is just too costly. And the point of no return, your only option is to go all the way. So these disciples were at this point of no return. Simon realized that day that he was in the point of no return. As Christians, I believe we need to come to these strategic moments in our lives. Not just once, but many, many times. Because these are the points where it is a point where 
where God will bring us to the next season or the next assignment in our lives. Are you at the point of no return with the Lord? And how do you know? I want to share with you four things I gathered from this portion of Scripture. Let's see whether we are at the point of no return in our walk, in our faith, in the Lord. And let not the power of the cross, let not the resurrection be something, an event that we celebrate and we forget. But when we all always come to a point of no return in our faith, in our walk, in our journey with the Lord. Amen? Firstly, how do you know you are come to a point of no return? But what used to work doesn't work anymore. When what used to work doesn't work anymore. John chapter 21 verse 2 to 3 says this. It says this, you know? I'm like, oh, it's so small. Okay, okay, here. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two of the disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out onto, they got into the boat, but that night they caught that night they caught, you have to understand this, at least three to four of them that went out, out of the seven of them that went out, they were skilled fishermen. They knew fishing more than they knew how to do ministry. They only followed Jesus for three years, correct? They only followed Jesus for three years before he was he went on the cross and, and he went through all that he went through. Before this, all their lives and they grew up as fishermen. At least three or four of them out of the seven that went out. But what happened? These skilled fishermen suddenly was a long and frustrating night and they caught nothing. It was as though they lost their fish fingers. You know, people say the plant thinks it's green fingers, but right, right? So then now you cannot catch fish, you lost your fish fingers. So they've lost their, their, their ability, their skill to catch fish. Something that they were so they were so familiar with, something that they were so skillful with. You know, and this is something that I learned through life's journey and throughout my, my Christian walk and my Christian journey with the Lord. That sometimes God frustrates our lives. There are times when God allows frustrations in our lives in order to get us to our destiny. There are some times when God allows a period of frustration to prepare us for our destiny. How many of you understand that? Sometimes God allows a period of frustration in order to prepare us for what He wants for us ahead. You see, the disciples were in a place where they weren't fully, they couldn't understand we're fully in ministry, Jesus was still on earth. And there are some people, and like, like many people, they were in a place where they've come too far in their journey to go back to where they began. They were so frustrated at that point of time. You're not, it's like, they knew that they couldn't go back, but yet they knew that they weren't where they were supposed to be yet. They knew they weren't, they weren't quite there where they're supposed to be, but yet, in this point, at this point of time, it was like, what do we do? Like, we're just not quite there yet, but we are, we're, we're not moving anywhere, we don't know what we're doing, and the things that we used to do, we can't even do it. Have you been in a season with your life where what used to work don't work anymore? You're doing the things, you practice.
practicing the things that used to work. Everything that you used to know how to do it, the methods that you used the last time, it used to work. It used to, to bring, bring harvest, it used to bring uh, success, it used to work, it used to make sense. But right now, nothing works. What used to work doesn't work anymore. It's so strange. It just didn't work. Jesus hadn't invested so much into the lives of the disciples for them to turn back now to their past. Jesus hadn't invested so much into the lives of the disciples for them to turn back to their past. It was a point of telling them, there is no plan B. There is no plan B. There is no plan B. Many times God brings us to a place where you're so desperate, you try to figure things out on your own, apart from Him, and you try to go back to doing things that you're familiar with, to find solutions the way you used to find, and how you used to do it, but you fail miserably, then you realize that there is no other way unless it's God's way. You've come too far to fall back on the things of the past. They have come too far in their journey with the Lord and it was impossible for them to go back to do what they used to be doing. They've come so far in their journey that it was impossible for them to go back to do what they used to do. I don't know about you, but there are times in ministry and times in life where you just feel like looking for a plan B. There are seasons when you're frustrated, there are seasons when you when things don't go the way you want them to go, want it to go. You know, you thought that you landed in a job that God called you to. And then things just don't go the way they, they are going and you look for plan B very quickly. Plan B, not of escape. What do you do now? You know, I've got to figure this out. What happened to the confirmation? What happened to, to, you know, it was the Lord speaking to you to be there and opening that door for you. There's no plan B. You didn't come this far to go back to where you began. Some of us are going through a season where conducive environments that used to be environments that used to be conducive aren't so conducive anymore. The familiar has become unfamiliar because God sometimes frustrates this season to bring you into a new. God sometimes frustrates this season so that he can bring you and prepare you for a new season. So whatever it is that you're going through, know that God is preparing you for something that is ahead. The disciples were in this place. They were, they were there, but yet not quite there. Not quite at the place that they're supposed to be. It was a period when confusion, there was a period that they didn't know how they were supposed to respond, what were they, what were they supposed to do at that point in time. Frustration. And what used to work doesn't work anymore. Secondly, how do you know you've come to a point of no return? It's when you want Jesus more than anything else. When you want Jesus more than anything else. 
7, it says here, But then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Jumped into the water. Jesus, when hearing John say that it is the Lord, he got so excited. You see, a person that has come, who has gone beyond the point of no return, is a person who wants Jesus and his presence so much more than his blessings. Simon Peter was a person who wanted Jesus so much more than the blessings than the fish. The fish didn't excite him. Jesus did. The moment he the moment he realized that is the Lord, what did he do? He jumped into the water. You see, they were fishing the whole night and they caught nothing. And now, at the instruction of Jesus, they cast their net to the other side and they finally caught something. After the whole night of hard night of nothingness and there was a, finally a breakthrough, it was a large haul. How exciting would that be? As a fisherman, Peter was a fisherman. He knew how exciting that would be. He, would, he knew how expensive that catch would be. He knew how much because he was hauling it and it was such a heavy haul. It was such a large haul and had difficulty bringing it up. He knew. But for Simon Peter, but look at what Simon Peter did. Instead of God getting all excited with the blessing, the moment he realized it was the Lord, he jumped and swam towards the Lord. All Simon Peter wanted was to go after Jesus and not be focused on the blessings. He went after the source of blessing. He loved Jesus more than what Jesus had provided. A person who has gone beyond the point of no return is a person that keeps pursuing his presence more than anything else in this world. No riches, no blessings, no achievements, nothing can come and distract Simon Peter from his presence. Because Peter, for Peter, he was thankful for the blessings. But he wanted to get to the God from whom all blessings flow. For Peter, he was thankful for the blessings, but he wanted to get to the God from whom all blessings flow. Amen? But I very often times said this, and, and I, I just want us to be reminded, don't get distracted by the blessings. Don't get distracted by the, the blessings that God gives into your life, that it blocks your view of the blessing. Perhaps, this is what God wants to, to tell His people over and over and over again. Don't, come, don't let any blessing come in the way of knowing me. I've been there, I've been in a place where the blessing overwhelmed me more than the blesser. And that's not a good place to be. That's not a good place to be. It is a constant conscious reminder that everything that we have is only because of Jesus. Everything that you have is only because what the Lord has blessed you with. Usually when the things that you've waited for a long time, usually it's the things that you've prayed for a long time, you've sought the Lord for a long time, you've been desperate for it, asking for that, that breakthrough for that long time. Usually when those blessings actually come into your life, you get very excited, right? Because you waited so long, finally, yes, you know, it's here. And those are the things that usually are the ones that we, we, we take such such pride in, so precious, oh my goodness, and, and God, I've always wanted an LV, I've got my LV, it's not quite an LV, but it's full love, so okay, nah. It's possibly in this corner, right, it's really from the back. Yeah. And it becomes so precious to us, because this is something that we wanted for so long, we've worked so hard for it, we've prayed so hard for it, and finally we get it, but we forget 
is the blessing of being in the presence of God. That's the greatest. The God of all blessings flow. That's where you want to be. That's in His presence. That's where you want to be. Simon Peter can experience something when he was in the presence of Jesus. He was a nobody. He was a fisherman. But in the last three years, he had done things that he never thought he would ever be able to do. He had, he had done miracles alongside with Jesus. He had cast the demons out. He had done things that he never, he never imagined himself being able to do. He had gone places that he never thought he was able to go. And he knew the value of that one moment with Jesus. Because he knew how lives would change, how lives would transform as long as they had that one moment with Jesus. He saw with his own eyes when people with that sickness, when they the blood, that they men who came to Jesus, that one moment with Jesus, that lifelong of lameness was gone and healed in the name of Jesus. The person that was born blind, that one moment with Jesus, and suddenly their sight was restored. That person, the woman with the issue of blood, one moment with Jesus, she was healed. Because he knew the value of that one moment. One moment with Jesus could change the entire course of someone's life. That's why he wanted Jesus more than anything else. That's why it was so important for him to jump out of the boat. I don't care. I don't care about the fish. I've been praying for it the whole night. I've been, I've been working hard the whole night. I don't care about the fish. That's not what I want. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized, listen to this, they recognized that they had been 
with Jesus. What is going to make you stand out from your crowd, your peers, your colleagues, your family members? It's not your paper qualification. Let me tell you this. It's not your, your achievements of how many projects you've closed and how many deals you've closed and how many things, what you've done. It's not the beautiful resume that you write. What makes you stand up in the crowd is when you learn to spend time in His presence. Because His presence is going to go with you. Remember I said this two weeks ago about being the donkey. Because if Jesus is in your life, He will bring you to places that He will make you look good. He will make you look good. That's why in Acts chapter 4 verse 13 is so powerfully written. These people, the people who are astonished, were amazed how uneducated men can speak so eloquently, how they can they can, they can they can explain the word of God so powerfully and that day, remember, 5,000 were added to the church, correct? 3,000 were added. How in the world did that happen? Because they were willing. They were willing. They were working very late in their house because they were always we always pay attention. Stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. And that was the thing that marked them. No matter what stage of life you're in, if you never let the blessing, never let any ministry, any achievement, anything at all come between your relationship with the Lord. There are no shortcuts. You need to make time and do whatever it takes to spend time with Him. For Peter, for Peter, it meant to swim in the frigid cold water just to get to the presence of God. What, do, what does it take for you to make time to be in His presence every day? To want it more than being successful? When you want Jesus more than anything else, then you've learned to come to the point of no return of faith. Thirdly, you know you've come to a point of no return when you realize that your source is God alone. When you realize that your source is God alone, no one else but God alone. In verse 9, it says this. 21 verse 9, it says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Very interesting. You see, when God shows up, the supernatural happens. Every time when God shows up, the supernatural happens. What they could not do a whole night, the moment Jesus showed up, the supernatural happened in ways that they could not understand. Every time when Jesus shows up, the supernatural happens. It's very interesting. You see, when Jesus showed up, he said, cast your net to the right side of the boat. Now, if you think about it, if they had rationalized for a moment there and thought about it and, and thought to themselves, wait, 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 hang on. That's, how big, how big do you think that boat is? Do you think it's like so huge, right? From the left side to the right side, it's a different sea altogether. 
This side, the left side is the fishless sea, the right side is the fishful sea. Have you ever thought about it? It, is, it doesn't make sense. And perhaps in their minds, they probably were going to, if they had even uttered it and said to the stranger, to the person then who mentioned to pass your net to the other side, to the right side. Actually, uh, we've done that. I've like, been there, done that before. About half an hour ago, we just had the net on this side and then we transferred this side. Already. So that side was not big one actually. Big black one. No, we tried already. The whole night we've been trying left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. We've been trying nothing. Now you ask us to cast the net to the right side. Had they even that slightest doubt, had they not listened in obedience to what the Lord had told them to do, they would not have caught such a big ball of fish. But because of their obedience, they did it and they had a blessing that was so overwhelming. And when the Lord blesses, it's always beyond our expectation. Amen? How many of you have no what I'm talking about? When the Lord blesses, it's always beyond our expectations. Yes or no? Yes, yes, correct. I see, I've seen it, I've seen how so many of you have shared that testimony. When the Lord blesses, it's always beyond your expectations. You never imagined it to be that way. But then when you allow the Lord to lead you in obedience, it always supersedes your expectation. They caught so many big fish, and in that blessing, and if that blessing has come from the Lord, listen to this. And if that blessing has come from the Lord, the net will be able to hold it. A lot of times we want to get there very quickly on our own. We want to get to get rich, we want to achieve fast, we want to step all over just to get to where we want to be. That's why a lot of people who get suddenly a, 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 a huge amount of money out of nowhere because they were they bought one lottery or whatever, they can't sustain it because they don't have the capacity to sustain it. But it's because God brings you and allows you to go on the journey of frustration, of disappointment, of pain, of suffering, of, of going through what you need to go through the hard times, if you're able to sustain the blessing that is to come in your life. The fish that they caught was so much, there was a special mention about the net. Although they caught so many fish, big fish, 153 of them, yet the net did not take. When the blessing is from God, when it's the Lord that leads you to a position, when it's the Lord that leads you to what you want, He wants you to do, He will help you sustain whatever that you need to do. If He brings you to it, He will bring you through it. If He brings you to it, He will bring you through it. A lot of times, we don't understand it, we don't understand whatever God has given to us, and sometimes you're so overwhelmed by the task that is ahead of us. But God says, if I bring you to it, I will bring you through it. I have seen it over and over and over and over again. When you realize that really it is from the Lord, He will be able to sustain it. Because this blessing of fish was from the Lord, the net did not break. But if you do it on your own, many times, you won't be able to sustain the pressure, you will crack under the pressure. When you do it on your own, many times, you will break mentally, physically, 
You just can't take stress. But when the Lord leads you there, God's going to prepare some of you to do great things in But you need to go through what you're going through in order to sustain the blessing that's ahead. Some of you are going to land in positions that you never imagined that you would land in. You say, I can't do this. I'm too young for this. How am I going to manage people who are much older than me? How am I going to manage this such a big project? But if the Lord leads you to it, The Lord leads you to win, He will bring you to it, and your end will not be He will give you the grace that is sufficient to go through what you need to go through. You see, when God, what happened was in verse 9, oh, I, it's just so amazing. The word of God is so amazing. I mean, God is so amazing. In verse 9, it says this. You, you read it, it says, when the disciples ran up to shore, they saw Jesus was, was cooking. Jesus was had a fire going on coal, right? And he was cooking. That's why God made in the image of God. I love to cook also. Because Jesus also cooks, you see. And then cooking, see, Jesus was grilling fish. I'm sure it was some delicious fish that he was, he was grilling. No excuses. Jesus himself cooked. He was there grilling his fish. And he was, sorry, what was he grilling? He was grilling fish. Look at it. Jesus was already grilling fish. He was already grilling fish. Look at this. Don't miss this. Well, the fish, was the fish that he grilled, was it that he was grilling? Was it, was it from the catch? Was it from what they caught? Jesus had already had fish upon the grill because he is the source of everything. He already knew, knew what they needed. Before even they brought me, before even what they could bring in, he already knew what they needed. He already had the fish off the coal. He knew that when they come back, they would be hungry and they would need food. But he also did this. He said, bring us some of your fish. Bring some of your fish. Just let me cook more. That's how God works. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need our resources. He doesn't need our time. He doesn't need whatever we have. But He gives it to us because He wants us to partner with Him. He wants us to work alongside Him with the things that He has already done so that you can be blessed as well and you can see that blessing in your life as well. But He doesn't need it because He is the source of all things. Before they even used that fish, before they even brought back that fish, that fish did not So clever, so good. Whatever you need, God already knows. God already knows. You need fish. You need the hungry. He already knows. 
When you come back to shore, you already have the fish. It's cooked. Some bread or so, extra or so he give you. He already knows what you need because God is the source of all things. When you realize you come to a point of no return, when you realize that you can't get this source from anywhere else, you can't get this source from anywhere else. Contemplated on sharing this, but I think I will share it with you. Can I be totally honest with you? Let me make a confession. Yes, I want to talk about very fast. Yes. Can I make a confession? This last couple of months has been some changes have happened in this last couple of months. And um, And it was, you know, every time when there is a change to something, it always takes time for us to get used to the depth of the changes. Yeah. So there were some changes that happened uh, with regards to our remuneration. Okay. And also our, our employment, conditions of employment. There were some things that changed. And please don't get me wrong, the church board, the leadership, has taken care of all the pastors and ministers very, very well. But like I said, when changes happen, it always takes time for us to adapt and to understand and to see the bigger picture of things. So, some, so these changes happen and so there was a lot of, it was a, a, a ruffling of factors going on. When I was preparing this sermon, God convicted me. God said, Who is your source? Who is your source? When you answered the full time call, you gave up your rights. You have no more rights. The source is not your children providing for you.
with your tongue. Verse 15 to 18 says this. When Jesus had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than this? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch up your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Of course, we understand that this was Peter's moment of reinstatement. We know that this is God telling Peter, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the verse that we, we've heard people preaching about. Because Peter denied Jesus three times, so there was this reinstatement by asking him the question three times, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? But it was also a point where God was tell, uh, telling Peter this, Peter, we're beyond this. Peter, we're beyond this. We're beyond your past, we're beyond your failures, we're beyond all that shame, all the, all the things that you thought you've done wrong and you've done wrong, you were betrayed, we're beyond all that, we're beyond the achievements, we're beyond all that. We're beyond all that. There are some things that you cannot take with you when you go into the point of no return. There are some things that you can't take with you when you want to go into the point of no return. And then one of those things is your past. Your past cannot go with you to the point of no return. Because if you keep looking back, you will never move forward. The only thing that your past is allowed to do is to remind you of God's faithfulness. That's the only thing that your past is allowed to do. But you cannot bring your past with you. So Jesus was telling Simon Peter, we are beyond that. We are beyond that. What matters now? The only thing that matters now is do you really love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? We're beyond singing the songs, watching a nice Easter play. Beyond that. We're beyond, you know, crying when, when emotionally when we, the words draw us. Beyond that. Do you really love me? He goes on to say, verse 18 and 19, that when he was young, he did the things that he wanted. He went the places that he went. When he was old, he would come to a place of submission, of total submission, total surrender to the Lord. Even to the point of going to places where he doesn't want to go. 
was being led to do what God wants him to do in his life and in his death. And Jesus said to him, follow me. About a year and a half ago, I had the opportunity to visit Israel. And it was a wonderful trip. Every time, everyone who goes to Israel, they will tell you, you know, there will always be a moment when you go to Israel. There will always be a moment, a place perhaps, or something, you know, that, that triggers and that place becomes more significant to you than any other places. So, you know, I was like, when's the moment? I so want to, you know, when you get there, when's the moment? When's the moment? You are, I don't know when's my moment going to be, but you, you cannot, you cannot like, anticipate the moment until the moment happens, right? And you know it's the moment when that is the moment. So one of the moments, I had two such moments. One of the moments was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And right now they have a church over the place where, you know, the boulder or the rock where Jesus was supposedly praying before he went on the cross. Remember, he told his disciples, watch and pray with me. For the hour is near. Then he went over there and he went and prayed. So the supposed rock that he was praying on is now in a church. It's part of the Church of the Nations, if not mistaken. So at that church, and, and you enter in, and you, know, you can go very near to that boulder, to that stone area in the And I remember at that point of time, there was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of uncertainty. I was not quite where I was supposed to be, but, but it's, it was just a lot of uncertainties. And I remember kneeling down at that stone, and I said, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass through. But, <coughs> Not my will, yet in the day of yours. I remember crying and crying and crying at that rock. So that was the first moment. Then it was the second moment. And it was right there at the Sea of Galilee. See, this entire scene that we've read about, this entire scene that you read about, is actually at the Sea of Galilee. They call it, it's called Tiberius as well, it's the same sea. Just different names, different reference to Sea of Tiberius, Sea of Galilee is the same place. And we were on the boat, and I remember very distinctively, uh, I was signed to lead worship in the boat. And when we sang, we sang a song, you know, very a fun song. We sang, I will follow you, follow you wherever you We were laughing, ah, so funny, you know, so, you know. But then, as we took those moments of silence and reflection, this was the very sea, this was the very place Jesus called Peter, James, John, Andrew to follow him, the full time ministry. And I was reminded of my call again at that point in time. Nineteen years old, at nineteen years old, I answered the answer for time call. To follow me. Like Peter. When Jesus first called Peter to follow him, to be his, to 
be fishers of men. Do you remember that when Jesus calls his first disciples, it was at the same shore. It was at the very same shore that he was talking to them that day. He said to them, he said to Peter and Andrew, his brother, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. That point of time, Simon Peter didn't know what he was getting into. He really didn't know what he was getting into. Wow! This man looks like a very attractive man, you know, he's like, oh, like got some power like that, you know, like, okay, okay, follow me, okay, I drop my decks and I follow him. He really didn't know what he was getting into. And then suddenly he realized, oh, three years into it, what can I, what have done across the board, no? He realized that it was so much price to pay to follow Jesus was so much. years later, at that very same shore where Jesus first called him, Jesus said the same two words to him. Follow. But this time, Peter knew what the cost was. He's going to remind his father. years ago when I responded to the call, I didn't know what I was getting into. Oh, I was 19 years old. I didn't know what I was getting into. Jesus said, oh, I said, okay, God, I'm following you. You know what I'm getting into? Okay, now. going to demand everything out of you if you want to go to the point of no return with him. Because a person who has gone to the point of no return doesn't worship the same way, doesn't respond to things the same way, doesn't react the same way. It's about daily taking up your cross, <coughs> denying yourself.
Step in and take over whatever you 